I'm your host, Joe Agoda, and this is Let's Break Good, the podcast where we never settle for good enough. Have you ever clicked the like button on a social media post spotlighting a social cause or injustice without taking any other action at all? Our question on this episode is, can social media be a powerful tool for grassroots activism, or is it just a superficial hashtagification of social change? We will recount the story of one of the most notorious viral videos of all time that got millions of likes around the world, inspiring celebrities, presidents, and thousands of ordinary people into action for a nonprofit initiative. What lessons can we learn, and what does it mean for the latest social media fueled campaigns on the environment being led by youth? Let's dig into it. Let's get started. I want to break free. thousands, three young aspiring American filmmakers flew to Africa looking for adventure and a story about the war in Sudan that they could document through film. The trio didn't have much international experience, and once they arrived into the conflict zone, their movie production did not exactly go as planned. After a treacherous journey, we finally arrived in Sudan on top of the Nuba Mountains. And with it, came a shocking 130 degree heat. And right from the start, we could tell this was not the adventure we had expected. So we blew up a termite hill. I know what they got coming. (laughs) Fought off a huge snake. Do you feel it be pulling? There you go. Shut up. (laughs) Although there were many signs of war in Sudan, This wasn't our story. The filmmakers had not discovered a film-worthy subject in Sudan. Feeling defeated that their trip had captured little but fending off enormous snakes and dealing with extreme heat, the filmmakers began the trip out of Sudan with their driver and local guide, Jolie. It was on their ride back that the story they were looking for would find them. It all started when their car was flagged down by a group of frantic villagers outside the northern Ugandan town of Gulu. What has happened back there? Okay, those who had the rebel who shot the, that vehicle. The LRA? Where? What do you mean shot? They used their gun to shoot them. Was there because of the shooting, we were forced to stay in the town of Gulu overnight. Gulu is home to the Acholi tribe. Many Ugandans simply call it Acholi land. That night, Jolie started telling us about these children who live in Gulu and commute to the town to sleep in the streets every night. Oh, they don't sleep in hotels, they sleep in verandas. In the veranda, in the bus park. She said we should go document them. And so we did. We arrived at a bus park to the sound of kids, thousands and thousands of kids, without an adult in sight except for a guy with an AK-47 strapped to his back. Needless to say, we found our story. The chance encounter had revealed an extraordinary situation. 
large groups of children were walking miles from their homes each night to sleep in mass together to avoid being kidnapped and turned into child soldiers. After spending time videoing with the children of Gulu, the filmmakers flew home, completed editing of their film, and released it in 2004 with the title Invisible Children. The film did not become a notorious viral video because it was released before YouTube had been invented and when Facebook was only open to college students, but it did reach a lot of people. After its launch, the film went on to do nearly 900 college campus screenings. I was at one of those screenings as an undergraduate student at the University of Wisconsin-Madison It can still remember the heart-wrenching nature of the film, and in particular, one interview with a young Ugandan child named Jacob who had just seen his brother killed by the local militias. On the last night we spent with Jacob and Thomas, they started talking about their brother who was murdered by the rebels. We asked Jacob what he would say if his brother was still here. I will tell you that I love you, but now I miss you, so it is better when we meet, we are going, even if we are not going to meet, but we, are, we, we may meet in heaven, you see. So it is better, I will not talk much, I will start something. Because if I see my brother once again, I don't. Hmm? <laughs> After watching the video, even being a poor college student at the time, I had to do something. So I made a $20 donation in exchange for an Invisible Children DVD. The film went on to become so big in the college student scene that a standalone nonprofit organization was formed to continue on the mission of helping end the child soldier practice in Uganda. By 2005, the Invisible Children nonprofit had come up with an awareness raising campaign that showed they were starting to understand how newly launched social media platforms Facebook and YouTube could be used in their goal to inform new people about the atrocities of child soldiers and inspire them to activism. Here's a clip from the Invisible Children 2005 online social media campaign. Every night in Uganda, thousands of children leave their homes out of fear of abduction and walk miles into town to sleep. For one night, all across America, we are asking the same of you. On April 29th, in your city, we are gathering for the Global Night Commute. Originally, the Global Night Commute was to take place in 40 cities with around 50,000 people signed up. However, thanks to organizing online, it ended up taking place on a much larger scale. Over 80,000 attended, and it took place in 130 cities in seven different countries. The combination of the film and online awareness raising was powerful. It inspired people to take out their wallets and give. In 2006, financial statements from the Invisible Children nonprofit reported over $3 million raised to end child soldiers. In 2007 and 2008, $7 million more were raised in each year. By 2009, the advocacy work was starting to have an even bigger impact. The United States Congress was starting to take notice. The clerk will report the title of the bill. Senate 1067, 
an act to support stabilization and lasting peace in northern Uganda and areas affected by the Lord's Resistance Army. Mr. Speaker, a great deal has happened across the country to ensure that this bill is before the House Chamber today in scarcely one year. I want to especially recognize and thank the national networks, organizations, and grassroots activists of Invisible Children, Resolve Uganda, the Enough Project, and many other religious and human rights groups who have rallied in support of the people and especially the children of this region of Africa. After the action by Congress, in May 2010, President Barack Obama signed government legislature that pledged to take on ending child soldiers in Uganda and worldwide. Invisible children influenced the passing of the bill and were present when it got signed into law. Imagine shaking hands and taking pictures with President Obama after passing U.S. legislation. In 2011, Invisible Children had the best fundraising year yet, taking in over $10 million. But even with all the money and effort, there was one particular individual that eluded their efforts. The Northern Ugandan rebel war general, who had been the one the children were fleeing from way back in 2004 during the original road trip, he was still on the loose. With the ultimate justice goal still elusive, the executive director of the nonprofit, Jason Russell, produced a new remix of Invisible Children's film, adding material from the past eight years of work by the nonprofit and new heartwarming scenes with his own young child. This time, it was personal. And Jason Russell made it his goal for this video to make the Ugandan warlord famous. Finally, the video that was to go viral got its release on March 5th, 2012. And this year, 2012, is the year that we can finally fulfill it. And if we succeed, we change the course of human history. But time is running out. To level with you, this movie expires on December 31st, 2012. And its only purpose is to stop the rebel group, the LRA, and their leader, Joseph Kony. And I'm about to tell you exactly how we're going to do it. The Invisible Children team could not have been ready for what happened next. Kony 2012 took off like a rocket, getting thousands of views overnight, being shared and liked on social media platforms until in just a day it had over a million views. In a few days, it was at tens of millions of views, and it kept surging to over 100 million views in under a week. And that's just on YouTube. The video was viewed many more times in public screenings and video channels like Vimeo or by likes and shares on Facebook. Kony 2012 was everywhere. It caught the attention of every major news network. Someone probably sent you the video shining a spotlight on a brutal warlord in Africa, Joseph Kony. It was posted on Monday and as of this moment, it has been seen nearly 40 million times. Is this the new way to move the world to action, here's ABC Cecilia Vega. The film not only got on the nightly news, but made good on the promise to make Coney famous, getting featured on the celebrity paparazzi news show, TMZ. For 26 years, Coney has been kidnapping children into his rebel group, the LRA. 
and he forces them to kill their own parents. This is Joseph Kony, a vicious warlord who through murder and torture has terrorized the people of Uganda, kidnapping children and using them as soldiers and sex slaves. This is Jason Now Russell. that Kony was indeed famous, the organization used social media to intentionally call out specific people, especially well-known celebrities, asking them to use their social media channels to further spread the message and call people to action. This is a bold approach that was used years later by the Ice Bucket Challenge to spread awareness of ALS through social media. The strategy worked. Celebrities from Rihanna to Oprah to Angelina Jolie all spoke out publicly about Joseph Kony and called for his capture. But what about ordinary citizens? Individuals who were newly inspired to do something, they may have never heard about the issue before, had never been to Africa, never even been part of a social cause campaign. What could total newbies do? They had something for them too. An event called Storm the Night. On a designated night in April, the film asked viewers to print out Kony 2012 posters and during the cover of darkness, go out and put them up in as many places as possible where people would see them. 2012 was the year of a presidential election. The posters would go alongside with Barack Obama's and Mitt Romney's. The poster itself had a visual throwback to Obama's famous 2008 Hope poster by Shepard Ferry that took advantage of all the election year hype. Hundreds of thousands of people worldwide signed up on social media to storm the night against Joseph Kony. However, when the night came, only a fraction actually took part. There was a huge drop-off in participation numbers. But the small few who did storm the night made a lot of noise. The posters, the next morning, there were a lot of them, everywhere, in places they did not belong. Many got thrown to the ground and torn up. To the general public, it was seen as a whole lot of litter. Some who may have run out of posters or were just troublemakers started to graffiti Coney's name on buildings, making things look more like vandalism than activism. The media started to turn on Coney 2012 and began to question what it was really trying to do. So the money is going to the organization. You're not becoming rich off of these donations. Correct. Yeah. Correct. All of Coney okay. 2012 is under our nonprofit 501c3. 81% of our money last year went to programs. Okay. And it's not our money. We don't view it that way. We view it as the children's money because the youth of the world have funded this. All right, Jason, so I want to ask you this. It's not our money. I have to ask you this real quickly. Um, there have, there have been, there's been criticism that says Joseph Kony is no longer in Uganda. He is somewhere in Congo, and therefore you're putting the people at risk now for retaliation by doing this, that this, is, this movie should have been done six, seven, maybe 10 years ago instead of now. I totally agree. I totally agree, yeah. A lot of the footage from Kony 2012 was from 2004. And since then, Kony had fled deep into the rainforest of Congo and was no longer abducting children. Nobody had seen or heard from him for a very long time. The video had not yielded any new leads on the whereabouts of Joseph Kony, and the Ugandan government was not happy about all this new attention. The presentation in that video uh, gives a picture that is not complete. When you look at it and you listen to what they are saying, it's as if Kony 
is still in Uganda, as if Uganda is still at conflict. And yet, of course, we all know this is not true. I hope somebody will have the courtesy to make it, to put a disclaimer that this is what used to happen. This is not current. Because certainly what is in that documentary is totally the opposite of what's happening now. Even with the pushback from cable news and the government of Uganda, Invisible Children persisted with its newfound fame and the advocacy work continued with great effect. A poll taken in 2012 suggested that more than half of young adults in America had heard about Kony in the days following the video's release. Several weeks after the video's premiere, a new resolution condemning Kony, supporting U.S. assistance in the fight against the Army, the LRA, was introduced into the U.S. Senate, passing later that year. The world had listened. Over 20 million donation dollars poured into Invisible Children for the cause. But Joseph Coney the man was still at large. The best information said he was in terrain incredibly difficult, nearly impossible to traverse. The political will in Uganda was low, and as their government and others were pointing out, were there not deadly diseases claiming hundreds of thousands of innocent lives in Uganda? Why not focus on this or other more urgent issues? With pressure building, the movement to catch Coney turned to a creative idea that included the biggest celebrity power couple in the world at that time. Well, you've seen Angelina Jolie in spy movies. Well, this was real. The idea, it appears, was to have Jolie act as a honey trap, working with U.S. Special Forces to capture a brutal warlord. Forget other celebrities. She is the one. An international prosecutor is said to have written in an email. She loves to arrest Coney. She is ready. Probably Brad Pitt will go also. A bizarre plot straight from a Hollywood movie. Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt attempting to arrest an African warlord, according to a British newspaper. The leader of a Ugandan guerrilla group, Joseph Kony, wanted for war crimes, including murder, kidnap and rape, could be captured, a UN official reportedly believed, with Jolie helping to lure him out of hiding. Alas, the plot to lure out Kony with Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt never panned out. Meanwhile, Hordes of teenagers and college students in the U.S. continued to make a lot of noise about a fled Ugandan warlord who had not been seen in years. Out of options to bring Coney to justice, the pressure continued to build and build and build on filmmaker and Invisible Children executive director Jason Russell. Coney 2012 was being criticized like a huge flop at the movie theaters, a total and utter failure. It was all too much for Jason Russell he went on to have a very public mental breakdown that was recorded by a bystander on their cell phone camera and then aired on news outlets, including TMZ. That's not your average crazy person going on a naked, obscenity-filled rant in the middle of the day. It's Jason Russell, the filmmaker behind the Coney 2012 video that exploded on the internet. Jason Russell, After like, the meltdown, Russell and Invisible Children turned to Oprah to try and turn the page on the incident. What do you remember, Jason? I remember me flipping off cars. Flipping off cars? Like with you, like, like both hands. <laughs> that I remember that just like there's like a little memory. The, the, I mean, I was, there were reports that you were you breaking into cars. There are reports. I mean, I think I was stopping cars in the streets. People said I was laying in the street. It's a busy street. Mm -hmm. I was laying in the street. 
Um, How did you get your robe off? How do you go from running out with your robe on to your robe off? Again, it, it really, it's hard to explain if people who've never had an out-of-body yeah. experience, but it really wasn't me. What was your intention with Invisible Children? The intention has always been, can we end this war? We, not Invisible Children, we, not Americans, we as the human body, mm -hmm. can we see these children as our own children? Mm -hmm. Is it worth it? Mm -hmm. Is it really worth it? Can we stop Joseph Coney and can we stop the LRA? But the fallout from Jason Russell's public breakdown damaged the reputation of Invisible Children and their movement. In 2013, Invisible Children released another update video about Coney, but this one only got 200,000 views, less than 2% of the original viral video. In the subsequent years, fundraising started to fault the organization. By 2014, Invisible Children was in financial trouble and restructuring. In 2015, it reported fundraising of just over a million dollars, but expenses closer to two million. By 2016, the organization was down to just a few thousand dollars left in the bank. Coney 2012 was a viral video that had over 100 million views in a week and even more likes and shares on social media. But people questioned the outcome and mocked it as slacktivism, derived from the word slacker, a term associated with laziness. Wikipedia defines slacktivism as showing support for a cause with the main purpose of boosting the egos of participants in the movement, while the action may have little effect other than to make the person doing it feel satisfied that they had contributed. A lot of people called out Coney 2012 as a prime example of this new slacktivism phenomenon, and that the likes, comments, and clicks associated with it meant little to nothing. In fact, maybe it took attention away from more traditional forms of activism and more urgent issues. It is true that to this day, the whereabouts of Joseph Kony are unknown. In April 2017, Ugandan and U.S. military forces ended their hunt for Kony and his group. If he is still alive today, Kony is estimated to be around 58 years old. The Kony 2012 video itself, in the rear view of history, is mostly a subject of jokes and mockery to be put in the pantheon of doing good, gone bad. We have reached a crucial time in history where what we do or don't do right now will affect every generation to come. Arresting Joseph Coney will prove that the world we live in has new rules. The better world we want is coming. It's just waiting for us to stop at nothing. But perhaps there were some good and possibly great things that came out of Coney 2012. What if we go beyond Coney, thinking about all the young people it inspired into activism for the first time? It did pioneer a new type of organizing around a social issue that could get people paying attention and working together. When I see Greta Thunberg in the hashtag Fridays for Future Climate Strikes or Jimmy Donaldson, aka Mr. Beast on YouTube, Hashtag Team Trees Initiative to plant 20 million trees in 2020. To me, they're following in the footsteps left by Coney 2012, except with a more inclusive and urgent issue. As for Invisible Children, they did survive the Coney 2012 debacle. While 2015 through 2017 were lean years for the organization, 
According to the nonprofit's tax returns, they rebounded in 2018, raising over $4 million for their cause of stopping the practice of child soldiers. Jacob, that boy you heard in the beginning of the episode who tugged at your heartstrings, as part of the Invisible Children program, he became a child rights lawyer in Uganda. Regardless of the jokes about Kony 2012, Invisible Children continues on its mission to this day. Do we suffer from slacktivism in 2019? I think so. Even more than 2012. And actually, I don't think people today would have the attention span to sit through the whole 30 minutes of the original viral video. At the same time, the ability to organize via online means has only gotten more potent. We carry around our social media feeds everywhere thanks to our smartphones. Devices that can also capture quality video or even real-time streaming for anyone to watch and feel connected to events as they happen. Young people today are savvy as ever as they use their technology. And whatever the issue may be, it will be exciting to see how they find new ways to mobilize change through digital means while trying to overcome the slacktivist tendencies that still exist today. But life still goes on. That's our episode, and I want to show my gratitude for everyone who made this episode possible. Our producer, who goes by at iSimonG on Twitter, he helps make the podcast sound so good and weaves in all those different clips that you hear. At Social Q Group, also on Twitter, helps me to break down early drafts of episodes into something much, much better. Shout out also to hashtag Fridays for Future and hashtag Teen Trees for proving that there is still some organizing potential in platforms like Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and all the others. Thanks to Zencaster, where we record the podcast, SoundCloud, where it's hosted, and Apple Podcasts and Spotify to help spread it to all our listeners. If you want another story of doing good gone bad, check out episode 12, The Planet Saving Laptop, and stay tuned for later this season for another cautionary tale. Lastly, maybe you want to do a feel-good slacktivist thing for me. Well, you can go rate and review the podcast wherever you listen. Follow us on Twitter at Let's Break Good, and subscribe so you can get all the latest episodes as they come out. Visit us at letsbreakgood.com for more information or to get in touch with the team. Until next time, I'm Joe Goda, and this has been the Let's Break Good podcast. Let's break good.